This is an overhead view of Galnahan and the ravine known as Lohengrin Gate. The town lies directly behind this bluff here, and the power plant itself lies just beyond the town. The only way to approach the area is to follow this rough line through the ravine. However, the enemy has placed a positron cannon high up on the bluff here, covering the entire approach. There's no cover to speak of within the ravine, and you're in range of the weapon whatever route you take. Even if you decided to shoot from extreme range, say at the battery or the cliff face below it, the area is heavily guarded with mobile suits, including the mobile armor equipped with positron reflectors. As a result, setting up for a direct hit is impossible. I understand you guys encountered a similar mobile armor in that battle you had off the coast of Orb. <sighs> That's right. Hmm. So our objectives in this operation... You want us to destroy the mobile armor? Blow the hell out of that cannon, and then go into Gulnahan, right? <sighs> that is what we want to do. But now we need to talk about how we're going to accomplish these goals. Ideas? I can take care of them, if I put my mind to it. Wow, would you do that for us? We'll just wait behind while you go in there and take care of it. Don't forget to let us know when you're all done. What? <laughs> And welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast that now has to watch Destiny. My name is Jeremy. Oh, I'm Tyler. Hi, Zach. So I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but what are we going to do when we're done with Destiny? Like, you can't say it's the now the internet's best Gundam Seed podcast that has to watch, like, I don't know, Double I, O or I something. I literally just have the thought of, how does, uh, hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. <laughs> okay jeremy's been planning this no literally i had that thought right before he asked the question <laughs> like i had the exact thought of like because how, as... if we do double o which i think is the front runner right now i'm confident for next major that. one yeah i think so as has been established multiple times jeremy and i are the same person so we had the exact same thought at the same time and then but i had the solution you um, i also had a solution oh, what, what was yours um it was approximately the same thing so <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> i just come up with all kinds of weird ideas that are probably never going to be put into place which is probably not not a bad thing, given what happened with my last idea. Eh, I mean, I feel like with a little touching up. With a little love. Yeah. Part of it was I was like, not not, not on board for it. That's not the right thing. I was not supportive of it, though. I was not giving it the love and care it needed to be a bright, <laughs> shiny idea. I was just like, yeah, let's do with it. I... You're like, random. And I was like, okay, random. I just wish I'd had more time to give that some thought, because I came up with a much better idea for it afterwards, and I feel so stupid. Oh, well. Uh, Next year. Darling, but we have next year. That's a normal thing for me, feeling stupid. Yeah, but that's enough talking about the future. We have a lot of destiny left to go. We do, I, yes. I, like, more than two-fifths. I just More than three-fifths. You know the thing we do on last time where we just, like, talk about other stuff instead of the game because yeah. we don't want to talk about the awful game? Uh, I like this episode, like, genuinely. I, I know, I just feel like I'm I'm already getting there with destiny. And I... it's mostly because it just feels like it's spinning its wheels so much. I... 
I kind of wish this was actually alcohol because I don't like this episode. I've got some he, passable whiskey right there. He's driving. Look, I almost grabbed it because my brother fell off the wagon and I had to get rid of my whiskey again. And I haven't had any whiskey in like two years. I want it so bad now that I can't have it. You do realize that when you're at my house, I do still have a bottle of Honey Jack. Yeah, I almost gave you a second one. <laughs> but I knew you already had that. Yeah, I mean, you can... You can Get at the bottle that's in my fridge whenever you're at my place. Yeah, but I don't want to drink while I'm DMing, and that's what I'm doing when I'm at your place. That's fair. I have also peanut butter whiskey. Just yeah, I saw like drinking peanut I saw butter. It. It's um, very strange. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Although this, I feel like, is... It's not the last good episode of Destiny. We have a lot of high points to come. I feel like this is the episode after which it falls apart. There is one particularly really good fight that I like. Yeah, we have a high point for sure coming up. And there are some moments that work on their own that don't work in the larger context of Destiny. We have one character who gets a really good arc that we have barely seen any of. Well, I was I was specifically the uh, moment I'm thinking of is in like episode thirty or yeah, something. Yeah, I know which like one you're because I went and I went to look where it where it was. Is the is the character Yuna? Does Yuna get a great yeah, redemption yeah, arc? Yeah, he gets this really good redemption arc in the end. You're like you're just really rooting for him. He admits to Lee that he was just jealous all the time, and you're like, oh, you were such a bad boyfriend, Yuna. But the two of you are going to work it out. And then in the end, he brings ice cream to them all, and it's really cute. Oh, I was going to say, he sacrifices himself and rids the world of sin. <laughs> uh, I was thinking <laughs> That's of That's a better joke. I don't know why I went for a Kingdom Hearts. I, I, do. Oh, I do, actually. Because you're Kingdom Hearts obsessed? Well, yeah, and at the end of 3, they literally try to redeem all the villains, whether they earned it or not. I was... um. Thinking of the same thing. I was just trying to come up with how how to make a Final Fantasy X joke. Yeah, Yuna's arc is not really one of redemption. It's one of, like, self-actualization. Does he actually have an arc? No, Yuna from Final Fantasy oh, X. Oh, yeah. No, yes. Yes, for sure. She does not have a redemption arc. Yeah, and speaking of arcs, I think I kind of, like, funneled in on one of the big problems with Destiny, which is similar to a thing about Star Wars. If you... Watch the Star Wars movies in release order. The climax of the first Star Wars has one point of action, the Death Star run. The climax of Empire Strikes Back has two points of action, Leia, Lando, and everybody escaping, and Darth Vader and Luke's duel. The third movie has three points of action, the shield generator on Endor, the throne room duel, and the attack on the second Death Star. Okay. Phantom Menace, the fourth movie, has four goddamn points of action. Oh, the duel with Darth Maul, Padme and her uh, crew infiltrating the palace, Anakin shooting down the oh, thing, God. and the Gungans fighting the war. And then they make it reasonable in Attack of the Clones. I feel like there are too many points of action. We had two major ones in Gundam Seed, Atherin and Kira. And certainly there were people moving around them, but they were our points of view. Here, we've got Atherin, who's almost his own independent force. We've got Team Kira down on the Archangel. We've got the Minerva, who you can fold into Atherin if you want. But then we've also got the Earth Forces, and we don't have any point-of-view characters on the Earth Forces. We kind of have Neo Roanoke, but he's not here for this episode. So we're cutting to the Earth Forces' plans in this episode, but there's no emotional weight to it at all. And that's just what made me think of it. I don't think that's bad for this episode in particular, but it made me realize how much weight Destiny has to get. It does. This episode does reinforce that they're just trying to make the Earth Forces as big of bastards as they possibly can. I actually, while I was watching this, um, because one of my notes is, oh, great, another underdeveloped character, is actually, I, I think everything you said is true and accurate. In addition, I think one of the things that Seed did really well was they had a an enormous cast, and they were really efficient with their screen time. Yeah. On basically every character, even Cuzzy. <laughs> yes. Well, and Cuzzy was definitely on a B tier, which is, well, we talked about it in the past, Kira's friends got relegated into the... Uh, the, as part of the bridge crew. Which is fine. It's like a compartmentalization that was fine for them because they didn't really contribute to the plot much. But they've I'm all got characters, that. right? As much yeah. as we hate Cuzzy, it's because he has a character. Yeah. Yes. 
It's a character we hate, but he at least has a character. That's why we don't like him, is because they did give him that character. I don't know enough about the Minerva's bridge crew to hate or like any of them, besides Marin, Arthur, and Talia. And that's kind of my point, is that there are so many characters also in Destiny, but they are not actually giving any of them any screen time or like, like... The first episode of Seed, like, you get introduced to basically all the ancillary characters and you know where they're starting from. And then, like, any time they have, like, 30 seconds of screen time, it it either advances your character arc or at least shows where they're at emotionally with recent events. Destiny is just like, yeah, no, there are characters here. They're just all over the place. Don't worry about it. We don't, you don't need to know anything about them. It's fine. A term I used a ton when we were doing Gundam Seed is foil characters because they used it a ton to inform who characters were. This might be me reading too much into it, but I feel like Destiny's trying to do trios, and that just doesn't work as well. Like, the new druggies don't play off each other in a way that tells you who each one is, right? Sting and Owl are almost interchangeable. I mean, I can tell you Sting is more straight-laced, Owl is more I have a sneaking suspicion that the reason why there were three druggies at the end of the last one was because you had Athrin, Kira, and then it was Diarka, but that... Or Moo, you could argue. Well, I don't know, like, when they were coming up with them necessarily, but, like, with Diarca there, like, I think that was probably fairly early on to give the... Because they also formed the kind of that same trio with heavy artillery and then the two faster mobile suits. That's kind of how Kira, Atherin, and Diarca were at that time. So, so you're saying that the trios are supposed to be playing off of each other? Yeah, okay. but it doesn't... Infor- and, like, you kind of have the core trio of Shin, Atherin, and Kira, too. Like, at the very core. Gotcha. Uh, no, I was thinking of a... Uh, really good analysis of Attack on Titan because as much as that show dropped off, what they really did was they had, or well, was they have trios, but the trios played off of other trios. So. Yeah, and Kingdom Hearts also does trios since I was just talking about it. I don't think trios are bad, but when you have foil characters up against each other, they immediately contrast, and so you immediately learn about both of them. Trios need more time to establish that because you have to establish the three relationships in a trio yeah. instead of the one relationship between two people. And Destiny hasn't really tried to do any of the the druggies just keep cropping up every so often the like a base trio of shin lunamaria and uh ray. ray have gotten some screen time and have been kind of established but they're the only ones so we're not seeing them interact with anything else yet and it's weird because they never really function as a trio like they have been in battle as a trio before but mostly it's like Ray and Shin and Ray and Luna and Luna and Shin. Never really is there a three of them dynamic, partially because Ray's quiet. I think that might be on purpose, but I don't know. We're already talking way too much about this. <laughs> I don't think that we are. One you more think? thing I wanted to say, kind of going back to that, is in a weird way, Neo and the Druggies are our point of view character for the Alliance, right? Like, they're the only character we have any attachment to in, within the Earth Forces. I think that the only Earth Forces characters we currently have a name for. Jabril, if you want to argue, he's on the Earth Force. I wouldn't call him as part of the Earth Forces at the moment, because he's, he's not like act- an ally. He, he's not an officer. Like, he's not on the front line. Okay, fair. And if you know Neo Roanoke is Mula Flaga, maybe you have an attachment for him, but we're not supposed to know that. Yeah, he's um, currently just some weird guy. Yeah. He, he, he's looking like he's going to get set up as the big bad. And maybe you like Stella because she's cute, but that's like the most you could possibly have. She's not even a manic pixie dream girl because she's not properly manic. She's just like... A psychotic pixie dream girl? Yeah, I, I was going to I was gonna say like murder troll she i don't know really <laughs> needed more like actual Substance. character she yeah. needs more screen time with shin i think which she'll get eventually or like someone to play off of. she could play off i guess stinging owl too but she doesn't well like she the problem is she's i don't know i i putting in politics is not really the way i do it the way she acts is kind of retarded yeah it's like which 
like is fine if you want to explore that, but they're not treating it delicately enough, right? No, she's just kind of not treating it at all. No, she's just really kind of there. It's just, it exists. Look and I this. think they're going more for like ditzy spacey, but it just doesn't come off right. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like if they were, you'd think they would give her a little bit more portrayal as like paying Actually attention, like or, or at least having some kind of an. They're like, ki- thinking ahead. They're kind of trying to go with that Berserker thing, right? Like, clearly when she is in combat, she's in her element, and she is capable. But she hasn't been able to accomplish anything, because she's a villain. Yeah, so she's going up against Shin, main character powers. Yeah. This, I don't know if we got anywhere in this discussion or not, but I think it was worth having. Because <laughs> we're fair. pretty split on this episode. I actually genuinely really like this one. I think it's a good scenario for, like, like it's a cool thing to watch. And then also, I think it brings the characters forward in a way we need. I also think Shin hasn't gotten enough screen time, period. Yeah, and really my only complaint with this episode is that I felt like it did not advance the plot at all. It advanced some characters, and that's fine. Sure, but it's been moving so quickly, I don't know that we need to move the plot forward, right? I think there were more efficient ways to do this. Because, like, I feel like there's going to be no lasting ramifications from this episode, other than Shin and Athrun have a slightly different relationship dynamic now. Anything you want to say about it before we start, Zach? Uh... I don't, punch in. I don't like this episode for quite a few reasons, but going into it at the moment, because most of them like come up, like Shin acting like a little bitch and nobody calling him out on it. The he totally f- gets called out on the it. The fact that they... Well, in front of everyone. Not really. Like No nothing, one responds to it, but... No, 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 there's no consequences or anything like that for it. Um, the Minerva should be totaled after this. Um, it's just... It, like, exists purely here because they wanted to show off the impulse, which, even in this episode, should get wrecked because of its stupid combining stun. See, Zach is not buying into the premise of the episode at all. <laughs> well, and I think that's because, as we decided, uh, the much better episode would have been Secret Agent Athrin Zala. Oh, yes, the better episode is Athrin has to put on a tux and date Mayred and Luna at the same time <laughs> to infiltrate the Lohengrin well, with a cocktail, and then he dumps it on the Lohengrin to destroy it. Well, they portray it like... And then Shin has to rescue it. They, they portray it like the Impulse is the only Gundam that can go in there, but then when they actually start showing it, it's actually really big. It is. But the impulse is a jet. So can the savior be? Yeah, but it's a much larger jet. <laughs> no, no. I, okay, we have to go back to that syntax because that <laughs> no, was amazing. No, we just leave it as is and we let the people laugh at it. I agree it's good, but if we unpack it, it'll ruin it. No, I wasn't actually going to comment on it. I just wanted to, <laughs> just wanted to call I it out. I don't know what I was on I, right You did there. catch yourself. I saw you riding off a cliff and then you're like, oops, that's a cliff there. And then you cut like you swerved. It was just really amazing. <laughs> so, huh, that's a cliff. Let's find out what happens if we jump. B. Anyway. It's still technically correct syntax. It was, yes. It, just, it was just incredibly awkward syntax. I just, I feel like we did a, mm. <laughs> So can the savior be? Okay, man, I cannot do a Yoda voice. Scottish Yoda? <laughs> oh, laddies. Well, you know, we have baby Yoda. Next, oh, next year is Scottish Yoda. What, was it in our Discord or was it with somebody else I was talking to where someone caught on to the uh, idea of like Yoda? on weed or something like that and i i was just, i was saying that if yoda got high he would start talking normally <laughs> i mean we did get ed drunk that one time and he started speaking with perfect diction so <laughs> so join us as we watch episode 18 attack the low end grin you can watch along on crunchyroll or probably youtube hulu places the dvds youtube so we start out with the battleship map and this is actually the previous episode i believe with yeah. them explaining the plan to after an MD2 Minerva officers. Yeah, I think it is. 
the Minerva officers? No. I don't know if it's like this last episode, or I don't know if that was last episode where they're actually explaining that part, but it might have been. I believe it was. We also get the shower scene back, including Mayron not being able to fit into Luna's dress. I'm like so glad we got this gratuitous shower scene for some reason. Although it was like establishing Shin and Atherin hadn't been talking to each other. And then they uh, cut to Shin and Atherin talking. So, I mean, because of when that conversation happened, I guess you kind of want to bring it in there because of the fact that it's establishing they hadn't talked and giving this context where they're talking to each other. But it is still gratuitous. Now we're <laughs> being mean to the recap. Yep, I actually liked this scene. I did well. too. Like of Atherin basically <laughs> saying, "I was a little bitch too." More like he's like, "Hey, you're not the only one who has been through this." Well, and it's it's also like for Atherin, it's that responsibility of power. You know, the the responsibility that comes with power. Hey, I'm gonna get you a bunch of Spider-Man comics. Yeah. Read them, Shin, please. Then High and Mighty Color yells at us for a bit. Yeah, so I did not know that High and Mighty Color did any theme songs other than Bleach, which is the Th- only- this is like their debut song. And yeah. they're like, hey, put put that in again to see Destiny. And you know what? The thir- Which one did they do for Bleach? Uh, uh, the third one, Ichin no Hana. Yeah, it's one of the... Ichirin no Hana. It's one of the endings. It's one of the openings. Is it? It's the thir- second or third. It's the end of the uh, Soul Society arc. I think uh, I actually like that one. It's I a like good song. One. Yeah. I just, you know, 32-year-old me still likes High and Mighty Colors, so... I like your, your, uh, that song I can't say the name of. Ichirin no Hana? Yeah. I only know that because I had to search for it like 12 times because it's never in Google. So, the Minerva with two Lessups class, I think they're both Lessups class land battleships, and a bunch of the new goons, which I believe are Zauts. I could be the wrong name on those. They look Zaut-y. They've got a new name. These are the new Zauts, I meant. I said Okay, gotcha. But I can't remember what they name. Gahoots, maybe? And so, (laughs) Talia gives an order to have all pilots assemble in the briefing room, which actually makes sense. But there's a lot more people in that briefing room than <laughs> just the four pilots. Maybe all the pilots from all the ships showed up for the briefing at the same time. That oh, makes that's a, certain a good amount of idea. Sense. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got. But there's a bunch of them that are not actually, like, outside. So anyway. Have seen their mobile suits outside? Yeah, but this is a later shot. We get a couple sand crawlers juxtaposed with this person driving a dune buggy next to them. And they get picked up by the Minerva on, like, a drive-by pickup for some reason. This makes less sense. Why does the Minerva minutes. have this? Uh, <laughs> so that they can pull a Millennium Falcon. If they're trying to escape a base and they know what their secret agent 00 Atherin is riding a motorcycle to try and get back on, they can quickly retrieve him. Because the Rundle planned for main characters exclusively when he was having the Minerva designed. So talking <laughs> oh about God. having a bunch of other characters on the bridge, this actually makes sense because we see Ray in the background in the next scene talking to just, like, some random guy in a flight suit, and we don't know who he is. Shin's face lost all depth here. Well, you're supposed to be focusing on Luna Maria, see? Because she's That's... in the center of the frame. Yeah, and her face actually has some detail to it. So anyway, there's going to be a local cooperator as part of the briefing. Which I think Luna points out is, like, does that mean that they're, that she's a rebel? I think when they ask about it being a resistance fighter, I think that's Shin's Shin? comment. Okay. Anyway, she a little girl, or at least she looks like a little girl. Maybe she's just a dwarf and we're being very insensitive to her. No, they specifically say she's a little girl. Shin says it. Can we trust anything Shin says? Uh, yes. No. So Arthur's like, it's the time has finally come for me to run this cool meeting. This is Atherin Zala. He will be running our meeting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I really liked. I do not understand why they're deciding to have this briefing en route to the cannon. Actually, it makes sense to have the briefing en route for this. It, what it doesn't make sense is why the briefing is on a timer. 
Yeah, no, that's my point, is, like, why are they doing this in a time-sensitive manner? Why did they pick up their spy on the way? I'm well, just... Like, it makes sense. Pick them up on the way, then you can do the briefing while you're just kind of hanging out, but then you start moving after you've completed everything and gotten ready. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And instead, as we're going to see, they actually run into a time constraint because Shin's being a bitch. Anyway, they attacked this once before, but they didn't have main characters, so... Atherin, you take over and explain it. Like, Atherin's like, what? Oh, okay. I just want well, to make sure I I took notes. Did you take notes? I just want to make sure you took notes. <laughs> <laughs> like Atherin is more of a veteran than Arthur is, so I guess it makes sense, especially since he's leading the actual mobile suit team, and that's what they're talking about a lot is the mobile suit stuff. True. Arthur's CEO. But, I'm just. Well, Atherin just seems surprised when he's like, yeah, but, but like he's ready. Yeah. Well, he technically, is. Atherin outranks Arthur. That is that's true, true by virtue of Zaft military structure. Where he's now outside of the he's now a double again. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Wait, do, doesn't they mean that Gladys is also yes? Okay. Yes. She just has a she just has a captain. Yeah, yeah. She she has a ship to run. Yeah. She can't go doing spy missions. She can't go seducing people. So the president would be upset with her. Atherin <laughs> because points. she's already seduced the president. <laughs> so Atherin points out that behind the cliffs where they're going into, there is a town, and the power plant is in the town. And apparently, their flying battleship can only approach from a small pass in which this big cannon is looking. You know, I was wondering about that because we've given it shit for that a couple of times. But the Archangel never really got very high in the atmosphere without being launched into space. I actually thought of the same thing. I'm like wondering if they can't go that high. They may not be able to get that high off the ground. But the, so it's like, well, how exactly is it flying? But yeah, I, it's flying a little bit, but not a lot of it. But it's the same thing that I had the same question and then I came to the same realization later. But it is weird that their flying battleship can't do that. To be fair, they also have two ground battleships and they are, again, the objective is not to get past this. The objective is to take out the military base, which, you know, flying past the military base does not destroy it. It's not like in Mario where you touch the flag and all the enemies behind you. Or, you know, but there is an easier way to do that. You go around it and then destroy the power plant and come in behind it. Yeah, I was also wondering why they didn't do that. But okay, anyway. I assume the power plant was just for the city, like that the military was on independent power. I assume they were using it to power the Lord. Well, given that they they mentioned that the power plant is there, I was always assuming that it was powering everything. But also, you don't want to destroy the city's only power supply yeah. if you're trying to liberate them. Yeah, I took that as a stake. Like, we can't have too much collateral damage, because if we hit the power plant, then... Plug in one of the battleships. That'll do while you fix the power plant. <laughs> That's actually a really good point. Anyway, they have a loose-standing Lohengrin aimed at the ravine. And apparently, nowhere you go can get it's you out, out of, of the way. Yeah, it, because it's apparently a narrow ravine, so it just shoots down a hole. I love how Arthur is just, like, nodding along with Atherin's explanation. Arthur wasn't paying attention, which is why he's got Atherin to do it. You, I took notes. <laughs> anyway, they also have a mobile armor with a positron deflector to stop any long-range bombardments. So their, their plan is basically throw the mobile armor in front of it to block hits and then have it jump out of the way briefly so the Lohengrin can fire. I mean, that's a good defensive plan. It is, yeah. And they bring up specifically that it's similar to the one they fought off Orb. The Zamzaza, our favorite little crab. This thing sucks. <laughs> this thing is no Zamzaza, boy. No Zamzaza. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that ten times fast. So like- Atherin starts talking, and then Shin just interrupts him. Like, you want us to destroy it and get to the cannon, right? No. I do love how Ray and Luna are clearly just so tired of his shit. Yeah. <laughs> because apparently, as we find out later in this episode, they've been dealing with this shit for literally years. Athens like, yep, good job. This is the meeting to talk about how we're going to do that <laughs> Congratulations, shit. you figured good it job, out. Good job, little boy. Now shut up and let me talk. 
I see you read the top of the syllabus. <laughs> and uh, Shin's like, I don't care. I'll just do it. <laughs> I fucking I love, love Atherin's response. response. Well, okay, we can let you just do it alone, right? He's like, hey, let us know when you're done. Well, and, like the way his face was drawn there, like it was a 100% a Lackus moment. <laughs> yeah, this is clearly, I've seen your type. I do love how well it works, too, because like clearly Shin hasn't gotten this like tact before. Like, he's either probably gotten, like, someone yelling at him or something else and not someone just, like, backing him up. And Luna's just got this Yeah, she's great, extremely like, pleased. <laughs> laughing expression. Whereas Spy Girl is uh, more upset. Now let's discuss a more <laughs> realistic plan. Because uh, Athern's great. Because Athern had to deal with Diarca and Isaac. He's been around. He's like, anyway, that's the pilot. Give him the data. And she's like, what, this asshole? He's like, yep. And she's clearly reluctant after his outburst. Yeah, because she's like, my entire town is at stake here. Could you, like, suck less? Can you not be a bitch? She asks Atherin if he's sure Shin can do the job, which that seems like a perfectly logical question to ask, given that he's acting <laughs> like a little boy. Uh, she asking Atherin. Oh, and she's like, hey, can't you do it? You're the commander. Uh, and then Shin lashes out at her, and then Atherin's like, hey, Shin, get under control, and you too. Shin, which one of us is the adult here? Me. And then, of course, <laughs> Arthur is like, Oh, yeah. Have why Atherin don't we do just it? have Atherin do it? He's like level 20. And Atherin's like, This isn't enough XP for me to bother with. <laughs> I, I do love how Atherin just, Shin, sit down. Which he does, but grumpily. But I also always like, Yeah, but he can do that. So give him the data. It's still the plan. Like, it would be worse to switch the plan at this point. <laughs> but, but then she's reluctant to even give it to Atherin because she's like, Uh. Did I make a mistake? And then, of course, Shin acts like a baby. And he's like, yeah, the girls are right. You should do it. All the girls are always hanging off you like you wear a tuxedo. Yeah. yeah you're played by Sean Connery, and I'm like, I don't know. George Lazenby over here. I was going to say uh, Daniel Craig. Or, or Neil Connery. Neil Let's see. Does Sean Connery have siblings? Sean Connery has a younger... Sorry to derail this. Sean Connery has a younger brother named Neil. Okay. Who is in an Italian rip-off James Bond movie (laughs) that got the original M and the original uh, Money Penny in it. One of its titles is OK Connery. Did you get the good Connery? Got the OK Connery. Connery. (laughs) Wow, he is definitely... He looks like a Bond villain is really the problem. And it's like... I think that specifically. He looks like an like a knockoff version of the master from old Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Shin is pouting and be like, uh, you should do it. We don't want our town to get blood up. See, an easy way to get around this is I'll fly it. Ray, you take the impulse. Luna Mario, you can take your thing. Shin, you're stuck on the ship and I'll deal with your shit later. I actually really like this because as someone who has management experience, like <laughs> Atherin has tried punishing Shin and it's never worked. So I really like him trying to take this, like, give him a role and make him important and, like, give him responsibility track, especially since he has proven he does get results. As infuriating as he is, he has not failed in the mission yet. And I really like this attempt to be like, hey, stop being spoiled. Like, I'm making you do this because I believe you can do it. Like, I am using you as an asset because you are what I have. Like, I would not give you a mission because I don't think you can do it or to make you feel better. Which finally yes, but seems when to people's lives are on the line, you can't wait for him to quit pouting. And if he's going to do this every time and people are just going to uh, appease him. To be fair, Atherin also basically calls him out like, hey, you were talking big earlier. You're not going to back out now. Um, and that finally gets through to him. Also, can we just talk about briefly how Arthur is the most useless CO? He's not a, but he's not the CO. He's, he's the XO. Uh, whatever. He's good at 
He fires the Tannhauser, okay? He tells someone else to fire it. That's his job. <laughs> he's just, he's not exceptionally useful. No. Like, we've, we've talked about him a lot before. He's this weird, like, comedy relief character in a slot where we don't really need him and we have too many characters. Yep. Like, he's not cuzzy bad, but he's also not cuzzy good. Yep, that's the problem. Like, if, honestly, we don't need a character like him for the Minerva. We honestly could use someone who's more of a foil for Gladys who isn't incompetent. If you're wanting to do something like that. I mean, and that's why he's a foil to Gladys, is because he is incompetent. Well, the problem <laughs> is, like, we've already got too many characters. Yeah. And we've already got a foil for Gladys in Maru. I do like Arthur. He is just not, exce- like, he's useless, and I don't understand how he's on the He doesn't ship. have a place in the show, really. Yeah. His job is to tell Atherin, start doing the briefing. Exactly, now. yes. So apparently they've taken their sweet-ass time. And Talia's like, why the hell aren't people on the bridge? Like, can we get people lined up to launch? I don't know why they were doing this briefing on the way to the deployment zone, and yep. then immediately need to deploy. This seems like bad planning. Indeed. And uh, Shin tries to get one last line in where he's like, hey, spy girl, did you want to say something else? But I do like that she's like very genuine with him. Yeah, she's like, I'm down on this because the last time we tried to rebel, a bunch of people got executed in the town square. It's foreshadowing. I always took this as that's why I am in this position doing this spy work is because the people who air quotes should have been doing it have been killed. I was going to ask about that because later on we see that there are plenty of people willing to take part in revolutionary in. And I, don't know I actually why... got more of an, a, a feel of she's doing this because she's the one that won't be missed. That's fair. Yeah, no, was, by the I, Earth forces at yeah, least. Yeah, I was like, wondering why they sent suspicious. a small child. So that's fair. That's a good explanation. I'm okay with that. I said this off the mics when she showed up in this episode. I had this weird feeling of oh yeah, that character. I love her. And then I'm like, I don't even know that character's name. She's so, got a great character design though, and I'm sad that they don't use it again. Yeah, like she serves a useful function. She would be more useful to the story than Arthur. The least useful award we can give on this show. And the of course, Arthur Award. They're on a uh, time crunch, and so we're going to spend even more time with this. Uh, to be fair, that's very Gundam Seed. Did you I, know that this character has a first name? Yeah, of course Connie, it does. I think? No, that's her last name is oh. Connie-El. Oh, gotcha. Any guesses? Actually, that might be her first name. Do you know she has a last name? Yeah, I knew she had two names, but I can't okay. remember them. Ometa, apparently. Gotcha. Atherin puts his arm around the girl to take her out. And I do love that, like, Luna shows up. It's like, oh, great. That was great. Good circus in there. Shin has always been an asshole. But, like, I've never seen anyone handle He's him always so quarreling with his instructors and superiors. Why has no one just busted his ass out of the military in that case? My bigger problem with this is why have we not seen that before? Why does Atherin not feel like the guy they brought in to, like, make the Maverick work? That's the most common American story in the world, right? Is you've got the Maverick pilot who's just too good to fire, who's always going off on his boss, um, and needs to learn restraint and to follow the rules. And then you get him a gruff, grizzled companion. It's like the buddy cop story, Yeah, basically. And that's what they're setting up with Atherin and Shin. But we have to be told this, because we haven't been shown it. Because, like, he's never arguing... seems to be fine with Talia. Like, he orders her around sometimes, but, like, in positions where he's the one with, if not the authority, the experience. Well, and it's mostly, like, it's not so much ordering her around as it is requesting specific equipment. So it's like, I need this piece of equipment to make this work. Yeah. I feel like we needed to see some of this earlier to make this work. And they're making Shin so unlikable. And 
I've said it a thousand times. Gundam's about shitty teenagers becoming reasonable members of society. And I think this is a fine, different take on a way for a teenager to be shitty, especially in contrast to like Kieran Atherin. The problem is like, he's so unlikable. Like his only redeeming trait is success, right? Which I, like I said, ironically, in a lot of American media is like acceptable and is sort of the thrust of the character, but it just doesn't work for Shen at all. Just being able to succeed doesn't make him an interesting character. My problem is that we're still exploring his shittiness, and by this point in Seed, we had already, like, moved on where, like, Atherin was starting to question his motivations. Well, we'd had a lot more out of Kira's motive, like, they're both Atherin and Kira's headspace as to, like, what drives them and, like, the internal conflicts that they've been having. Shin almost is exclusively external conflicts. Yep. And we haven't gotten a lot to, we've gotten brief snatches of, like, what's going on in his, his headspace with, like his family's deaths but other than that it's like like jeremy said this whole idea of he's the maverick who's really good at what he does and so he always butts heads with people we haven't been shown any of that except for with atherin specifically and we also know he has like a personal beef with atherin also in seed kira and atherin's like ability is like immediate like kira is like doing this thing he doesn't want to do for his friend's sake immediately which is likable, and Atherin similarly doesn't want to hurt his old friend immediately. So, like, they are both instantly likable, which, again, with Shin, I do like him as a character, and I really like him as an idea, but they just aren't giving us any reason to like him. And they're giving us so many reasons not to. And it's just so bizarre. Well, especially because he's got, like, Luna Mario, which I think all of us really like next to him, and she's got a lot of the same thing, but she doesn't have all the, all the unlikable qualities. It's literally like, I'm in the military. This is just my job. Yeah, and like, also, Ray, I like him. He's stoic, but he's, like, he's just doing his job. Anyway, Luna's like, hey, thanks for putting up with this shit. Glad you fixed that. She's like, yeah, you did a really good job. And he's like, nothing like, I didn't do anything that. He's just awkward. He's not a bad person. I'm like that, too. And then he <laughs> walks away, and Luna's like, did I just get blown off? That's the bit I love. <laughs> I love that Athens like, I'm also not good at getting along with people. And the door's shut. And I do love Luna's like, wait, what? Did I just get brushed <laughs> off? <laughs> Ray's like, I'm just as bad as they are. You've seen how many people I talk to, right? It's you and Shin. I talk to Shin, Luna. I don't even and talk the, to your sister. And that <laughs> random dude in the in the briefing room. Oh yeah, that's true. He was having a legit conversation with that guy. Then we get the eye catch. Hello, true believers. I don't know. I guess I'm in a comic book friend of mine today. Also, hey. Happy May 4th. I believe we can all agree that if they made a successful Star Wars movie, that we could definitely just do a live-action Gundam, and that would probably be all right. Have they tried that? I don't know. Wait, I have to go check. Through the magic of podcast editing, I have confirmed that there is not a live-action Gundam movie as far as I can tell, but there might be one soon, and that's kind of cool. I don't have any particular announcements this week. Uh, Tell someone you know who's bored not doing anything in particular right now about our podcast and try to convince them to listen. If they do, I will mail them a cookie. Not, like, from my house, that would be weird. But I will order them online a cookie. And you too. Why not? I I will mail both of you a cookie. Because I appreciate you. Alright, that's all. Back to the episode. Anyway, they begin the operation. The Bagley. The Bagley. Why not? Named after Spider-Man, it's Mark Bagley. God, I hate the impulse. I hate that we get the full launch sequence here. It seems it really unnecessary. It would have been fine if this was like the first time we got it, but or it just feels second. like a full-fledged, we needed to pad this out. 
I think it's more that they need to remind us it's got a fighter jet mode, but I do agree it's a little bit too much. So anyway, Talia is like giving a brief overview of the plan and like getting everything into position. We get the Minerva going into combat mode. Which is actually kind of cool. I like seeing all the guns get ready. And then we get a full launch for the Savior as well, which really feels like it's padding for time. Like the Impulse one, I think, is relevant to the story in some ways. This, I will 100% agree. Yeah, so the Impulse is, Atherin was there too. And then we also get the Zakus, as if that wasn't enough. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's like, how long are you going to take to do this? So Shin takes off in the Core Splendor. See, the idea here would, like, I wouldn't have as much of a problem with this whole thing if they didn't send the other pieces with him. Yeah, I'm torn on that. I like the idea because I I genuinely do like the idea of we can send it in pieces and assemble it on the other side quickly. I actually like that. It's super weird to me that they're going to send the other pieces and then they don't send a striker pack with him or the impulse equivalent, that it just has to be naked. That's a weird oversight to me. It's also the first of many trench runs we're going to get in Destiny. Well, it's the, one of the reasons why I don't like this is I hate, the, I hate the impulse to begin with. But at the same time, like putting it together right in front of your opponent, the way this thing ends up, it's like, that thing is dead. Like, I'm sorry, it's dead. You just get shot out of the sky when you come out of there. Well, and that's why they have the plan of we're going to draw the forces away. And then we put it together basically behind enemy. Well, given that there's still a whole bunch of entrenched positions yeah. right freaking next to it. The, the problem is the way it's animated, yes. But I like the plan of we will draw them away and we will assemble behind them. I, I don't know. It, it's also portrayed like you could easily have just sent the Zakus in there yeah, and moved through. Well, kind of. The way I read it is there are small parts, right? It's not that the entire cavern is this small. <laughs> it's that there are bits we could not get through. It's always the way I've read this scene. Like, well, it, it, it contracts too small. Well, the reason why I say that is because, like, when you look at the the other flyers, they're as wide as the Zakus are. Like, the, the base model Zaku without the big gunner pack on it. That makes sense because they're both mobile suits of similar dimensions. So, so on they the could other crawl. hand, yeah, I'm not sure if that's official. Like, can they? Can they actually move that way? I don't know. Every other, every other Gundam series I've seen has portrayed them being able to do that, so... I think that we should have just made giant snake robots since we already have giant dog robots, so... <laughs> the Snookoos! <laughs> the Hail Hydra! The Snookoos! Tyler, this isn't Gunnex Sword. Or Zoids. <laughs> so anyway, the mustache-swirling Earth Forces are on the other side. because Apparently it's a Lessups in a Petri class. Gotcha. And some guy's like, oh, they can bring out their fancy battleships. I just do want to point out that this guy looks like he belongs in, like, an American cartoon of some sort and not this show. Yeah, he look or like F-Zero-X, he looks like Captain Falcon's dad to me. I <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, he's just got, like, or real... Or Mulaflaga's cousin. <laughs> he's got really round features, and specifically, like, his nose is super big. I think that is on purpose, because the Earth Forces are, in some ways, an analog for America. That's fair. Anyway, they send out the Gelski. Americans known for their big noses. Although that's not this thing here. <laughs> no. That's the that's a Wyndham, I think. It is, but we get it. And uh, the Gelski, it just ain't no Zamzaza. It's a. Uh, it's weird that it's like a weird. It's like a dude on top of a crab body. No, what do, what do you call spider people? Like the things. Riders. Yeah, is that really the name for them? That's dumb. Okay, yeah, it's a drider. Well, it's because it's a drow plus a spider. Well, it's specifically it's the bottom of the Zamzaza with a dagger stuck on yeah it. just stuck on it which is great but the guy was all like yeah mobile armors they're great we're gonna make all sorts of cool mobile armors they're way better than mobile suits but what if we stuck a torso on this one <laughs> for no reason it can dual wield guns i guess but it doesn't have cool crab claws so and then apparently we get a back we got a flashback for to the, the briefing. Uh, briefing 
where the little girl's like, there's a cave here. It exits out. There's like a small, like it's been caved in, but a explosion should be able to loosen it. And it is behind the main battery. So their elaborate plan is to send Shin on a trench run through this cave so that he can pop out and to then... fly blind. I guess, yeah, blind, but with the data. And we don't really know how sophisticated autopilots are in this setting. We know that the Archangel had an automatic evasion pattern. Shin. That was random, but like, also, it's not important. I don't guess. use the force. Keep your targeting computer <laughs> on. That's the other reason why is it's like you put something in there with the autopilot on the backside of things and it's like those things are going to crash into something yeah i assume they're just mimicking his exact pattern but they're bigger so like he might barely miss something on the bottom side and that leg flyer is going to run into it although it would have actually been kind of cool if it grinded against something and he was without a leg or something in the final fight i will give you that oh anyway shin's like the hell with this i believe it that bastard just didn't want to do this himself and i do like shin like being a petulant i do like like, shin himself well, yeah, when when he's when you're talking to yourself, that's an entirely different situation. I do like him whining while he's still doing it. He's not whining now, he's complaining. Complaining is doing the job while talking about why you don't want to be doing the job. Whining is just not doing it. But the, see, like, that's how it was in the uh, briefing, too. He wasn't like, no, we shouldn't do this, or no, I'm not going to go. He was it. refusing to do it initially, because Atherin should do it, because he's better than me. Yeah, he's double O Atherin. Um, I do like that Atherin's like, don't be too fast, but don't be too slow either. Just do it just right. Goldilocks this for a shin. Yeah, that's how people are. We got a bunch of Windoms and Daggers with jetpacks coming at the Minerva, which deploys the Savior and the Zakus. And we still got to wait through the pack equipment. Yeah. Nice long launch sequences for everyone. We both get packs. Lunas is a little faster. Also, Bakus. Remember those? I do, fondly. Also, the dumb Sandcrawler mechs, which seem to be surprisingly common. I guess there are a lot of deserts on Earth. So anyway, they activate the Tonhauser specifically to lure out the Gelsgi. And it does have enough height that it could conceivably get over those ridges to come in from the other side if they wanted to. Yeah, I think the idea is just that the other side is, like, too reinforced. Although, you know, with the Tonhauser, it's hard to say, like, what sort of terrain is it capable of blowing through? Although, uh, also, hypothetically, if they were on the other side, the Gelsgi can probably also... Get on the other side. Yeah, but all the other reinforcements and the Lohengrin can't see it. So anyway, they intentionally waste a shot firing at the Gilsgi, mostly just to get things started and like make them aware that they. I love how in that shot there is a Baku that gets blown away. Yep. Just by I love the sandstorm effects on it. We also get a shot from the village's point of view of just the smoke. So Athwin's basically like keep everyone occupied while we wait for Shin to blow some stuff up. Commander McBad guy is like, ah, not a bad plan, but we have a shield and you don't, so we will last longer. And so they aim the Tonhauser at the Minerva, which I'm pretty sure is the plan because it's much more maneuverable. Engine maximum, crash us into the ground. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, that thing is totaled after that. I don't see why. They didn't actually hit it that hard. They skimmed. They skid off of it. Also, Um, it's sand. Yeah, I mean, it should be damaged, but... doesn't look like it did any damage to the hull. Here's a real in-universe explanation. A blade of gel. Something that big moving that fast impacting the ground is going to get destroyed. Impacting. It's, it looked to me like they just kind of went, eh. I mean, it's a roll of cool shot. I don't care. I mean, I'm not invested enough in it. It says the Minerva is fine, so I'm willing to believe the show on this. Yeah, really, that's where I am, too, is I don't actually care. <laughs> 
it's it's just another instance of stupidity. And they're like, hey, recharge our cannon, put our shield in the way. Why didn't the daggers kill all their mobile suits yet? Oh no, they have some player characters down there. Luna and Ray get shot at, and it looks like they're going to have yet another episode where they don't manage to do anything. But luckily, they both manage to take. Some I out. actually do like in that shot they're take they're actually like taking cover. I like the whole sequence. It I'm, just would have been really lame if there was just a, yet another episode where yeah. Ray and Luna accomplished nothing. Yeah. So it's nice that they get to have some kills here. I do like that Ray basically just provides cover for Luna to like hop out with the big cannon. That was nice. Meanwhile, Good Shin is finishing his trench run. He releases his proton torpedoes and gets out of the cave. And for some reason, the Gelsgi is right there, like standing right next to it. Yeah, I assumed it was a second one for some reason no, because it made no sense. Right, and it, at least with the shot from Lunamaria, it's implied that they're very close to him as well. Well, like, you do want that thing next to your cannon to protect the cannon, but still. Yeah, and like, it just, it's like a weird continuity thing, right? Because we know the plan is to draw them out. We saw them physically moving, but now it looks like they're close. Yeah. And now everybody apparently just stands on their hands while it combines right in front of everything. Yeah, you know, it feels like the Gelsgi at least should get some shots. As much as I don't have nearly the problems with the impulse. Maybe. You do. Maybe it always actually happens a lot faster than the shows and it just slows it down for us. Well, I mean, there is always the <laughs> Sentai argument of like, you know, how fast does it take for them to transform? Um, but like, I feel like this easy solution here is just have them enough forward that there's nothing able to shoot at it. Yeah. 15 seconds is a long time. Yeah, no, I'm saying it's not actually 15 seconds. It's like half a second. It just slows it a lot for us, the viewing audience, so we can see what's happening. That's even stupider. It is, yes. <laughs> anyway, they got lots of gun turrets. And that's the other thing, is that they show all these in-place turrets. It's like, the way they imply it is that it's only defended by this Gelsgi and the, and the mobile suits. Yeah. And now they have all these turrets? Uh, anyway, Atherin does his stock footage dropping beam saber attack on the Gelsgi to disarm it, which has apparently uh -huh. teleported elsewhere now. I think it's still in the same spot. I think Atherin just flew forward because we saw him in jet mode to get here. So Shin faffs about taking out some turrets instead of like doing his goddamn job. Especially since the Gelsgi is occupied now, it seems like it should be relatively easy. We see the Lohengrin starting to retract down into the mountain base. Atherin's like, hey, hurry it up. So he does some Hulk leaping. Also, like, I thought they said it was, it came out right behind, it came up behind the turret. Behind the emplacement or something. They say it's behind the battery, which I would assume would be the turrets, which this does not seem to be. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's, like, more forward emplacements that are what we were concerned about. But well, when I, I when I hear the battery, I was expecting it the to, big gun. Um, you know, be behind the entire battery. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was also imagining, like, a forward encampment, like, like, like a, a battleship, but like stationary, I guess. Like just a well, that uh, is an artillery battery that was not the Lohengrin. Yeah, no, I'm siding with Zach on this one. It really seemed like it. I was surprised that it did not come out behind the giant cannon. Anyway, it pulls its knives out because it didn't bring any other weapons. The good for some reason. stabbing a guy inside of the cockpit shot, which I both simultaneously love and think is really dumb. He throws his shield away for some reason. I mean, because I guess because it worked for Kiriyamato and all those bids. Uh, and stabs a dagger that's right next to the low end grin. The armored plating over it is starting to close, so he throws the dagger in before it explodes and gets a hole in one. And yeah, he also fires off some Vulcans, one of the few times Vulcans are useful, to make sure it explodes after it drops into the hole. You know, we've seen mobile suits explode a lot, and it's always vaguely implied that it's dangerous. We've never actually seen it do damage, really, until just now. Well, and it it's weird because, like, in that case, like, is that that unstable is the lohengrin that unstable that it goes up like a firecracker 
My concern is... Because it destroys the entire base. Yeah, I think it's because they have a bunch of, like, power lines or something. I think this made more sense in not the anime. (laughs) Yeah, I would also agree that this makes sense as a chain reaction to me. And it also, like, kind of makes sense to me that Lohengrin would be this dangerous because we've had a lot of conversations about not using it in the atmosphere and it being polluted. It's also just rigged up very, like, they just had to detach a bunch of cables that are not automated, which means when it comes back up, someone has to physically attach it. Like, it seems like a very hacky temporary installment that they haven't gotten around to productionizing. I mean, it's definitely, hey, we destroyed it, now everything blows up. Yeah, it's Um, a Death Star. Really, it's there because it's a Death Star. But I'm willing to buy it. I mean, that doesn't bother me, really. It's just weird. It doesn't really bother me because if you didn't do it like this, the rest of the episode is just faffing about for another 15 minutes. Or or there's a line that, you know, the Duval is going to mop up. While we, yeah, it's just think weird that, that it's fine. not like reinforced or anything like that. So the whole thing goes up if, some, if something gets hit. Uh, Atherin finishes taking out the Gelsgi because it forgot it had a positron deflector, I guess. Or it was in the arms. <laughs> not my crab hands. And we see revolts taking place in the city. Lots of rocks are being thrown. Flags are being torn down. All the jets are leaving. I guess they don't have a base anymore. And we see a bunch of officers being clubbed and shot in the street. Yeah, there were a couple like military style executions happening which we see fairly shortly do not sit well with atherin of course not yeah because he's been hanging out with kiro too much flag burnings i'm I'm pretty sure anybody executing prisoners wouldn't sit well with any sane person all right shin kind of goes into town and goes down and is kind of celebrated a bunch of people are like yeah yay zaft we see the little girl is like being celebrated for doing the spy thing. Yeah, and we see Atherin, like, kind of smiling, seeing, like, everybody celebrating from his cockpit, but then he, like, looks to another side, and we see the military, the, like, almost gang-style executions, and he's clearly just concerned about that, but gets contacted by Gladys and told to return. He's like, okay, yeah. For some reason, the Minerva's main screen has Shin smiling on it. Yep, obviously. Main screen turn Shin. Atherin comes down and she's like, hey, what's wrong? Did you get hurt? At first it seems genuine, but then it does kind of go to sarcasm. And I'm not sure if this is supposed to be like him kind of bitching or if it's supposed to be like pro-sarcasm. It's, it I think it's like in, bro-sarcasm I think it's in part also because Atherin's expression when he first walks up to him. Looks yeah. pained. Yeah. Because he's in pain. Just, just not physical pain. pain. Yeah. And she's like, hey, it was a success. And Atherin's like, good job. He succeeded because of you, which is technically true. He is the one who slam dunked a dagger into the <laughs> low end grid. And like Jin seems much more now that that's over, he's less complaining. But he is like, I thought I would die in there. Like you didn't say anything about not being able to see anything. He's like, yeah, I literally said you'd just be able to rely on the data. It's a cave. It's not exactly well lit. And Shin's like, well, you did say that. And Atherin decides to nip this one in the bud. And he's like, hey, you did a good job. Take the damn compliment. Also, I told you you would do a good job. Now we're leaving. He's like, you got your 15 seconds of fame, and Shin gets, like, grumpy about it for a second. He's like, fine. I guess I'll do my job, military commander. I'm actually kind of sad little girl's not a main character, because she had a lot more personality than some of the other people on the I do like Atherin, like, after he gets back into the mobile suit, has a moment of, like... Like, he's, he's genuinely, exhausted. he's exhausted, and this isn't exactly the kind of thing he wants to be doing. Yeah, like, he has to take a minute, which I actually like. Shin, on the other hand, is just reveling in, like, the glory of it all. Well, yeah, he did a good job. Yep. Got, even got told he did a good job. And, like, he's not doing it for the pat on the back, but he kind of is doing it for, like, 
He, he likes the, the accolades. Yeah, he he, he definitely likes the accolades in a way that like Kira and Athrun never really enjoyed as much. I also think he takes enough self satisfaction and just like, hey, I liberated these people. Like I have made these people's lives better. Like the medal is also good, but well, and uh, I, also I get the feeling that whereas Athrun specifically would have noticed and did notice the executions taking place, Shin. Doesn't he, he was too notice up that kind moment, of thing. Right. Well, and Shin wouldn't necessarily notice it anyway. Yeah, his point of view is also different. Like literally, because Atherin is up in the <laughs> well. No, I'm, I'm just saying and if they Shin's were in, on the ground, level. if based on their characters, uh, Shin wouldn't necessarily notice or care. Yeah, he probably wouldn't even care. He's like, about hey. that kind of thing if he had noticed it, because that's not how he's thinking. Yeah, he'd be like, "Good he's job thinking, for taking I liberated back, this place. Yeah, look how great I am. Not those are people too. You should stop that." And that's kind of a missed opportunity that he doesn't notice. Because I think we're supposed to read it that he literally doesn't notice. Like, he doesn't know that happened. But if he had even a slightly different reaction than Atherin. Like, even if he's like, well, that's distasteful. But yeah, I I also get it. Like, I'm not... Well, and he did basically him. the same thing. And was that last episode or was it the episode? Uh, where they, uh, I think it was two episodes ago. Where, where they assaulted the base. Yeah, and it was two episodes ago. Because he did basically the same thing then. He just did it against orders. And now he got to do... Basically the exact same thing, except on orders, and now, I don't know. It's an, it's interesting. I don't know if they're actually going to go anywhere with that, or if it's just going to fall down a hole. So, it's destiny. What do you think? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Gundam Seed Entropy. <laughs> do you have a high point, Tyler? That's actually kind of a tough one. I don't know that I have a great <laughs> high point. I definitely have a low point. Come back to me. I'll see if I can think of something in a few minutes. Zach? As much as I dislike a lot of this, I think Shin bitching to himself while he's flying through the trench run it's is probably funny. my high point. Yeah, because it's definitely the sort of thing that none of the other characters would do. Like, maybe Ezek, but even he's not really the sort to bitch about it while he's doing it. And I can definitely see me maybe doing move. something like that, because honestly, like I've never been in that kind of a situation. But I've definitely spent time bitching about doing my job while I'm doing my job. So... I get it. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of whistle while you work, but for curmudgeonly people. I'm going to kind of go with the scenario. Like, I actually like this, like, freestanding Lohengrin down a canyon setup. It seems like a tactics board game scenario, right? Yeah, and I do like it, like, as the scenario for an episode. Did you think of something, Tyler? I did. I think it's actually, like, Atherin's awkward attempt to admit that he is awkward <laughs> uh, right before hopping on the elevator. <laughs> He's like, well, I know how to deal with him because I have that same problem. And then he just leaves. And then Luna's subsequent reaction to that <laughs> was pretty good. Low point, Tyler? Arthur being completely useless on the bridge again. I just don't understand why he's employed. Zach? Shin being a whiny little bitch in the briefing. For me, it's like the exit on the cave. I don't have as much of a problem with you guys because that's what I was expected. But like, why is the Gels Gay just like there on the ground? It was a weird being continuity. Being a spider thing, and yeah. not doing anything. <laughs> being a like, spider. If it, <laughs> If it wasn't in place, it wouldn't matter as much. And if they didn't show all the emplaced guns that could have perceivably been shooting, or if, you know, you'd done a little bit of extra work and not just worried about the uh, stock footage there and had shots going past it, I wouldn't have nearly as much of a problem with it. I would say, you know, other plan? Atherin clearly kept the thing's attention pretty well. Why couldn't it have just been, hey, Atherin, go keep that thing occupied while we shoot our giant laser cannon at the laser cannon? That would have also worked and been way less complicated. Yeah, so there's a lot going on with that. It's it's mostly just like a bunch of continuity things. Like they dropped the ball on showing why the things were working or not working as they it should. It would have been better if there were multiple of those Gelsgi. 
So like yes, it wouldn't I have agree. mattered if Hathorn could take one of them because they always had one nearby. Yes, I think there was always multiple. Yeah, I think really what the problem with this episode is his budget, right? We gave it the criticism of those long launch sequences to buy time, but I think it's less like to fill time so the episode's a full length and more so we don't have to pay to animate new things. I don't know that for sure. I mean, those are fundamentally equivalent to me. Based on the fact that Destiny spent so much of its time filling in just just filler, um, I always just assume it's probably just filler because they need to extend time as much as possible. Any other final thoughts on this episode? Overall, I actually like this one fairly well. I do actually like seeing Shin being like angsty to himself. I actually... It definitely tracks his character beat that he's also being kind of an asshole in the briefing room at the same time. And I do hope this advances the character dynamic so he's not constantly just being a pain in the ass for Athrin the entire goddamn show. <laughs> I, I hope something comes of that. <laughs> the looks on your faces makes me think that that's not going to work the way I want it to. Zach? It was a lot better the first time out when I wasn't actually trying to think critically about anything. That's true of all of Destiny. I know, I know, but this one is like the first point where it's like, this is really a really good example of this disaster. And, which is weird, because to me, this is like the last good complete episode, to me. Every episode after this, I feel like, sets up stuff that doesn't pay off well. I also think it stands alone pretty well. Yeah, I think that's a lot of why I kind of marked it as one of the last moments. Like I said, I enjoy the scenario. I like the way it advances Atherin and Shin's characters. I like that Atherin is trying different things with Shin, and he's not, like, just dismissing him. Oh, a bunch of the character moments are fine. I just find a little bit of the other stuff that's outside of it as much of a disaster. Like, the setup is a little too contrived. Mm-hmm. We basically gotta put the Gelsgi on the list at this point. Uh, but I don't have the list, so I think we should do it and something else next week. Okay. I'm yeah, that, that makes sense. So join us next week when we will be watching Phase 19, The Hidden Truth. I do not like the thumbnail on the episode after that. Don't worry. It's our first clip episode. Two uh, episodes from now. Is that, Get ready. Is that Flay and Sai? Is yeah. that what I'm seeing? Yeah. Oh, That's no. why I noticed. They're, I'm like, wait, no, hey, no. On the bright side, we're probably going to get some good ghost cat dad time on that one. So Possibly. Are you counting the clip episodes? Yeah. Okay. Well, without them, there's no way ghost dad. <laughs> without them, there's no destiny. <laughs> so join us next week when we have to keep watching. It is our destiny. me off. Uh, beats me.